If you like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk, welcome to the latest episode of the Just Not Sports podcast. This is the show where a couple guys who work in sports talk to the people who play and cover sports about anything they like or do or talk about just not sports. On today's show, we'll talk to longtime New England Patriots lineman and two-time Super Bowl champion Sebastian Vollmer about his experiences growing up in Europe. And we will also go deep on Marshawn Money Lynch's curious and hilarious appearance in a new music video from the iconic immortal band Train. (laughs) (laughs) Shots fired, baby. I'm your co-host, Brad Burke. I am a sports marketer in Chicago, and joining me are all three of my cohorts in sports culture crime, starting with an amazing PR force in the sports world who has logged time with the University of Colorado, the Green Bay Packers, and many global sports brands. It's Adam Willard. Adam, before we got on the air, you said you might throw up. Please Tell us if you're going to do it. You can catch that shit through iPhone headphones. Uh, no, you can't, but I was chewing gum earlier. And uh, Oh, uh, God. Uh, and see, I just got to say, uh, uh, uh. it's a chain reaction. <laughs> also with us in our Brooklyn Bureau, it's our seven-time Emmy-winning sports producer, Gareth Hughes. Gareth, tell me, have you bought any records this week? Yeah, uh, Ted Hawkins, Watch Your Step, tremendous uh, soul folk record on Rounder from the 80s. Just there's some beautiful, beautiful music on that. Um, Highly, highly recommended. It was almost going to be my distraction last week. Uh, So, yeah, that would be my that's the jam right there. Ted Hawkins, Watch Your Step. It's on Spotify if you're looking for some like good Saturday or Sunday morning music. Also with us, our producer extraordinaire in C- in the Seattle Bureau, it is Mr. Joe Reed. Joe, tell us something awesome you did in Seattle this week. Um, so this week in Seattle, uh, I spent the weekend, um, well, it's, I guess it's not in Seattle, but I spent the weekend north of town in the mountains at a cabin on a lake in the woods. It was glorious. And uh, that's all I have to say about that. You can't do that in Chicago. That's all I'm saying. And that's that's why we're here, dude. You can you, you really cannot do that in Chicago. If you see like two trees together in Chicago, it's like cut one down. <laughs> <laughs> so this might be a transition to uh, the wide open, but I recently listened to an interview, uh, and this artist was talking about um, sort of growing up in the '60s and '70s, and he and his brother would collect. Uh, vinyl or, you know, you know, records. And, and um, he said there was something amazing. He really got into the Beatles when he was younger. And he said there was something about going over to people's houses when they would have vinyls. And it was almost like a piece of artwork. Like it was a physical thing in someone's house that when you walked in the door, you know, if you saw Abbey road sitting out on their record player, it would be like, oh yeah, oh my gosh, what do you think? It would, it's like a, it would be a conversation piece. It would be like, oh my, you got the latest, you know, you got the latest one, and it was that was an interesting idea to me. Of he described it as like you have your family portraits on the wall, and then you'd have like the four Beatles like looking at you, like it was a thing that everyone could relate to that everybody had. Um, I don't know. I I just like that idea of like a physical thing that. You walk into somebody's house and it's, oh my gosh, you got that too? Kind of thing. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah, but Joe, so you're, get- you're, you're displacing the needs of people like me. who Someone walk into my house and be like, oh, you have Lionel Richie's Dancing on the Ceiling? And I'd be like, yeah, I, don't, I didn't want you to see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, Wait, that's, that's good. good. That's good. 
Brad likes to run with the idea that the only thing he listens to are guilty pleasures. Like you're a shame <laughs> listener exclusively. Dude, I'm what you I'm what you would call I'm what you would call extreme basic. I've like taken the, the insult of basic and made it like a defining characteristic that you really can't argue with because it's like, well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, but some of like, yes, I also like the Top Gun soundtrack. I'm just not sure I would read to it. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> well, that's a funny thing, Brad, because you are the opposite of basic. You are a complex person and a, a renaissance man, I would say, in terms of uh, your various interests, uh, in terms of literature and movies and a lot of things. But when it comes to pop culture and and music, uh you you like what you like. <laughs> I, I would say music is my blind spot. <laughs> That's the spot. nicest I, way to say it. I can really get in. I can dive deep into all like visual visual content, like documentaries. I'm big into movies, cinema. Like I was a film critic. Like I, I can really talk that kind of stuff. But with music, I'm just like, yeah, man. Like Kenny Loggins, nobody's fool is my jam. <laughs> like I just I just don't care, bro. But you music- know what? What some of my favorite Chicago memories. When Brad still lived closer to the city, oh, going to places, yeah, yeah, we're going to going to a place like the the Bird Nest and pumping some money into the jukebox and listening to Lionel Richie. This will be coming up uh, related. That will be coming up my distraction later. But um, Brad, Brad's a fun. I think anyone who's been around Brad, it's a really <laughs> fun time, but. Despite the the fact that when I first moved to Chicago, Brad would try to take me to bars where he wanted to guarantee that either there were no women or that they looked like they had been <laughs> run over on their way to the bar. Um, besides that, we we uh, we had a we had some really great times in Chicago and. And Brad's musical taste of it a lot. Adam, that. real quick, number one, when you met me, I was married. I was about to get married to a beautiful wife, and so I had no need to like go like just chase women at bars. And number two, a digital. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it ain't I always about you, dude. I, I know from Green Bay, Wisconsin. I needed to chase. Look, <laughs> two, a digital jukebox is a weapon. And if you can clear out a bar with your music, then you've won. Like I went to a Missouri bar <laughs> after the, you know, the year, I don't know if it was 09 or, or 2010 when, when all college football, went, college football went crazy and Missouri was like number one for a few, a few weeks. And it was, it was insane. And I went to a Mizzou bar and they had lost and everyone was really pissed off. And so I went to the jukebox and I put on expose's point of no return. Like, you're sending me to the point of no return. Like as a joke, you know? And the bartender turned it off and he's like, hey, none of that crap right now. And I go, oh, totally. I totally get it. And then my next song was Exposés, I'll Never Get Over You, Getting Over Me. And we got kicked out. <laughs> and that's yep. that's a win. <laughs> yeah, that's like did. a win. Like bread one, Mizzou bar zero. All right. So on this show, at the start, we don't just make it open. We We don't just open the show. We make it wide open the show. And right now, we're going to make it open to anything in the sports world related to sports. Guys, I'm going to go last this week. Adam, was that yours? Uh, well, I thought we already... Have we not been going wide open? Yeah, we started going wide open on records. I started, I started with records, so I, I really messed yeah. this up from the get-go. I'm still new to this segment, okay? No, yeah. well, here, what I wanted to talk about this week is not very much related to sports, but it's not a distraction either, so I'll just jump in, like... Um, I've been following along with the story of the removal of the Confederate monuments uh, mm-hmm. in the uh, South, yeah. and specifically around New Orleans. And um, I, I guess you could call it uh, sports-related because a few years ago I was down in New Orleans and I did I shot the Open for the Final Four Saturday with Mayor Mitch Landrew. Uh, and trombone shorty. And it was honestly, it was one of the most fun shoots of my entire life. And, uh, we were in the middle of Jackson square, uh, shooting these guys singing trombone shorty songs. And when mayor, mayor Mitch came by, everyone was like, Oh shit, you got mayor Mitch to come out. And I remember talking to one guy that's like, yeah. And they were like, Oh damn dude, he's in New Orleans as hell. So that was, uh, that always struck me, but he gave a really 
uh, impassioned speech recently about the need to kind of move past this era. And I was reading that and I couldn't help but think about uh, when we were in high school and we went down to New Orleans and we were walking around and and our friend, Brad and my friend from growing up, Dan Pribble, uh, saw the statue of Robert E. Lee. And we were all some kids from Ohio down to New Orleans on a class trip. And Dan said to this family that was hosting him, uh, Oh, Robert E. Lee, huh? And they were like, yeah. And he, they were like, he's our general. And Dan was like, well, we're from Ohio. And so, you know, we, we talk about Ulysses S. Grant up there. And they were like, well, we never had much use for General Grant down here. We're, you know, blah, blah, Robert E. Lee. And then Dan yeah, no, turned no shit you didn't because he beat your oh, ass. Hold on. No, 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 hold on. Oh, <laughs> so Dan... Dan's a 16-year-old kid, okay? He's staying for the weekend with his family from New Orleans. And he just looks the father in the eye and goes, Well, Robert E. Lee, 0 for 1. That was it. <laughs> as, as Gareth and I know, That's Gareth great. and I are huge Civil War buffs. And I, as I always say, when people say, Are you a Republican or Democrat? I say, I'm a unionist, bro. <laughs> I'm <laughs> right. Union Army. So... As we amen to that, and as we seek to start removing <laughs> these monuments to the greatest traitors in American history, let us never forget that Robert E. Lee was 0 for 1. 0 for 1, Robert E. That Lee. is so great. <laughs> There's your sports reference. I was waiting for it. Exactly. Okay. I feel complicated about removing the statues, too, because I feel like it's also stripping away a cultural truth about our country. And I'm for openly openness and honesty about our past. So I'm just going to say that. We're not shitting on the South. My father lived in Birmingham. I'll get to that in a second. Adam, what's your distraction? Or uh, distraction? What? No, well, wide, me, open. wide open. Let me say that I don't want to shit on the South in general, but as a biracial child with uh, with uh, a black father and a white mother and my treatment in the South growing up, even in the 1980s and 90s, I will say, South, you still have a ways to go. Touche. Um, <laughs> Touche. Uh, I'd like to stay on this topic for a minute. Like, Brad, do we have, uh, like, I live around New York. There's a lot of Revolutionary War stuff here. I don't see any monuments to Benedict Arnold. Like, the South, these people, like, uh, I know it's, I guess it's complicated. These guys were traitors to this country. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay, Gareth, you know my feeling on this. I do believe Robert E. Lee was a traitor to the country and that he was offered the chance to leave the Union Army. He was the most talented uh, general in our fleet from West Point, and he turned it down to fight for a cause which Ulysses S. Grant, uh, Ulysses S. Grant, openly talks about as being one of the worst in the the course of human history. So I, I do think that all Confederate soldiers were at least some point traitors to what became the permanent institution of the United States of America. I want to get that off the, off the table. That said, a great remnant of the Civil War and one that has been championed and romanticized over the last you know 150 years has been the peaceful end of it. And we did not become okay. U- Yugoslavia. We did not become... Uh, you know, other other parts of the world where factions went into the into the far regions of their country and kept fighting in the war in small skirmishes. And I do give Robert E. Lee credit for surrendering in full in a time when he could have retreated into the Appalachian Mountains and, and prolonged the war for 10, 20, 30, 40, whatever many years. And so okay. I, I think I think that there is a and that's something that if you go watch the Ken Burns documentary. You'll see that romanticism played out quite expressly, and I get that. But I think that's part of our cultural heritage as, as, a, as, a, as a country, is that the, the South was allowed to romanticize the end of the war being dignity in, in defeat by a North that was ready to quit too. And I don't want to just drown that all out with our modern sense of what they fought for was garbage and let's forget that it happened. Uh, I, I, I think there are, there are statues in this country in Birmingham where my father lived of, of, of African-Americans being pelted with fire hoses. And that's not because people walk by them and think that's a pretty picture. That's because people walk by them and think this happened here. 
And I just hope that when we look at the Civil War, we can look at it through the lens of honesty and say that a lot of people revered these 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 people for fighting. And I hope that those statues, if they get pulled down, then replace them with Civil War statues of Confederate soldiers walking home in shame and tell that story, too. And that's all I want. And I, I don't have a problem with people wanting the statues pulled down. And I don't have a pe- problem with people wanting the statues kept up. I, I have a problem with people not wanting to have a civilized debate about the nature of our of our country and how it's okay to have a flawed history in our country. That's all I'm saying. Does that make sense? I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm insensitive at yeah. all to our listeners. No, I think I think I think your rationale is fair. I think it's I think at its face, and you're and you're right. But I think at face, um, so many of those are seen as celebrating a Southern way of life, which unfortunately involves slavery in every instance. So I totally, I mean, totally. it's it's not fair to say strip away all Civil War monuments that have anything to do with the South. But you're right. I think it's finding. Uh, what are what seem to be celebrations of a of a clearly a shameful time in our country's history and what seem to be reminders of that history there there's a distinct difference well how about this like next to your civil war statue of some asshole riding a horse with a sword at his side who didn't shoot a bullet but like stood on a hill and watched all all these people get killed next to him put like right. a statue of a slave who is being like who never saw anything beyond his plantation, his entire existence between 1815 right. and 1845, like put that statue up I, I, again. I'm for honesty and yeah. on, honesty in America is ugly and that's okay because the past can be ugly. And if you're a student of the past, you know that. And if you're, if you're not, then fuck off and read a book. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. And, and, and so I would just transition to my, uh, to my wide open, <laughs> which is about like JJ Watt's new music video. <laughs> well, no, I would, I would say, uh, it was a bit disturbing to me and I, I, I hesitated to bring it up, but I've held on to this a couple for a couple of weeks. And, um, once again, we've heard about an athlete and their distractions being a bad thing. So miles, Garrett, the first pick in the draft by the Cleveland Browns on the ESPN broadcast. One of the criticisms of him as they talked upside and downside. One of the downside was, well, it seems like this guy has a lot of interest. Now, I think what's interesting is we're not even talking professional interest. Miles Garrett, who's 21 years old and won't be 22 until December. So young man, he is very into dinosaurs. Um, uh, he <laughs> loves the 1970s. So from his style to his music, he's uh, very into the 1970s. And he happens to love to read and write poetry. I would like to know how any of those things are mildly offensive to any team who would draft you. This, again, to me, and it's why I hesitated to bring this up, but I do see a trend on social media where black players, far more than any other players, are criticized for having interests outside of sports and are told to focus on sports. And so the number one pick, who's 21, which means even if he has a great career, will probably retire by the time he's in his early 30s, uh, and is going to have the le- rest of his life to do something with. Shouldn't have any interests until he retires because he needs to be a football player and another and only a football player. And it kind of, uh, to me, reeks of uh, a different kind of of uh, slavery, which is the modern day black athlete, where you're thought to be a field hand in the sense that you play football. Only football, and um, and that's it. And forget about having any interest outside of football because you are monolithic in the fact that you are an athlete and not a person. Um, so talking about the Civil War and how we need to strip away these reminders or not of an ugly past, it's not that far away, guys, because we're still seeing it now. Amen, man. Yeah. Amen. All right. Well, hey. hey. Oh, go ahead, Gareth. I like where you landed on that. At like the distance. I mean, these are like 
whether you're, I don't know, whether you're someone in Louisiana fighting to keep a statue for the world's worst cause, or what you said, Adam, just now defending Miles Garrett's interest outside football, I think it, the signs are all around us that this is stuff that uh, has gone on in a lot of, di- like, as Brad eloquently and correctly put it, the Civil War ended peacefully, or ended with the surrender at Appomattox, but it, it, while there were no major skirmishes after that, we have kind of gone on with it for a long time. Yeah. And uh, it is very recent in a lot of ways. And I don't know, guys. This is one of my favorite discussions we've had in a, in a while. So, well, guys, yeah, from both it, sides, it, if so. you didn't think this was enough of a buzzkill, wait for my wide open because it's about my dead All dad. Right, it's about my dead dad. <laughs> oh. Oh, okay. Well, you could have just said your dad who was passed, but dead dad is, yeah, that's a buzzkill. Okay. All right. So, okay, I'll close this out. So it's my dad's birthday today. Uh, he died nine years ago. Uh, and, and my the way I remember him a lot of times when I think about his death is through the context of sports. My dad was not a sports fan. Uh, he liked tennis. Uh, he ended up playing golf at the tail end of his career. Uh, not particularly well. And uh, he was just not someone who watched a lot of football um, or did that kind of stuff. You know, like he just didn't care. When he was he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer um, in I think it was the last week of May or maybe the first week of June, and he was dead by July fourth. So a cancer diagnosis and then dead in three to four weeks, and that's just how it goes with pancreatic cancer. The last time I saw him, the last thing we ever did together was watch Tiger Woods's win over Rocco Immediate in the night in the two thousand eight. Uh, U.S. Open. Tiger's, I believe, his last major win, but if you want to fact check me the on that, Monday, yes, the Monday, the Monday 18 holes. Dad and, yeah, I, yeah. Dad and I watched Tiger's last uh, that, that putt on Sunday, and then Dad, I, I went back the next day, and he was so drugged up that he, he could barely speak. Uh, he had a tube going into his lungs to drain the fluid, and we watched, uh, we watched the Monday uh, day with me just holding his hand while he was in a hospital bed. And I said goodbye to him, and I said, I'll see you in a few weeks. Uh, I'll, I'll probably spend August here. I'll spend, you know, maybe maybe, maybe the fall. I'll come back many times. And I never got the chance. And the reason I didn't get a chance was because I was going back to work, and I was working a very important event, which was the Alonzo Morning and Dwayne Wade charity event, uh, an eight-ball event in, in, in Florida or whatever. And Adam, yeah, you're laughing because it's, like it's just a frivolous fucking athlete um, charity event that that has no real um, long-term meaning to the people working it other than just like they're raising money for a good cause and that's great. Um, but in this case, I convinced myself this was very important and I did not just stay with my dad while he was dying and I didn't, and I, t- I very much took for granted how quickly he could die. And I think about this a lot and I, I think the way I would put this for our listeners is this. Many of my bosses at that time told me not to work so hard and to go be with my father. G- bosses like Jim Motzer, who was our senior partner, uh, Adam Tenelian, who was my my direct report and a, and a very talented uh, a very talented PR professional. Uh, they said, "Go home and just be with your father," and I didn't listen to them. And I just want people to know out there that if someone in your family is sick or someone important to you is sick, uh, you need to listen to the people around you when they say, just stop doing this and go be with them. I think a lot of people value work over family in ways they don't realize they're doing. And it's unfortunate that you recognize that you did it when you're standing in front of a coffin instead of, instead of standing in front of someone that you love, that you wish you were holding their hand longer than that. I think you hit it right on the head. It's something I've realized recently, too, with my my father had a stroke, I think, as I mentioned on the show before in October. And um, I think I still struggle with it because he is alive and and doing better. Um, But having the chance to go home for Mother's Day and first spending two days with my father and we didn't do much and. He didn't have a lot to say, but we watched cowboy movies and 
a UFC fight, and uh, I, I left Denver coming back to Colorado uh, thinking how lucky I was. And, and Brad, I thought of you. Um, and I, I think I, I think of you a lot, Brad, when I'm with my dad because I uh, hearing you talk about your dad and, and knowing how that ended, it makes me lucky. How much how uh, my father is still around, and though he's not a hundred percent in the way he would like to be, uh, and he feels like when I come home he needs to entertain me. Uh, sitting and watching cowboy movies is just about as precious as an experience as I have. And I enjoy every second that I have with them. I just think about all the other golf tournaments and horrible stuff I could have watched, uh, holding my dad's hand. And, uh, I wish I had done more of it. And I, and I know what, and and, and now I'm going to channel that hopefully to my kids who I have ignored patently to record this horrible podcast that you are listening to right now. (laughs) All right. With that note, we're going to have some fun right now. We're going to do an interview with Sebastian Vollmer. Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots stalwart, talking about growing up in Germany, life in Europe, playing football in Europe, and how that impacted his worldview. And then those of us who survived this conversation, Joe dropped off. I heard a beep. I think he he had some visitors come over. It's like it's like it's like it's like one in the afternoon where Joe lives. Uh, he's just working. I'm gonna break down Money Lynch's amazing music video with Terrain. Stick around. Our next guest on Just Not Sports is Sebastian Vollmer. Sebastian played eight years with the New England Patriots, made a second-team All-Pro in there as a right tackle, won two Super Bowls, and has had a standout NFL career. And we're not here to talk to him about any of that. We are going to talk to him about growing up in Germany, how he came to love American football, his career as a swimmer, and how he plans on translating our most popular game back to his home end. Sebastian, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, so we know it's probably your most asked question, and we're going to ask it here, but I do think it's important to give context to the other things we want to talk about. And that is, how does a kid growing up in Germany get into American football, and did it have anything to do with the Rhine fire? Um, Yeah, it did. Um, <laughs> the world league lives on. That, that's right. That's right. Uh, I think it was the first game I ever watched. Uh, it was a pretty good experience, even though it's more of a carnival event. Okay. Ferris wheel and all that stuff, but you know, they made it entertaining. It was, it was a good time, but, uh, I grew up swimming. I wasn't mm-hmm. a soccer player. Like, you know, probably any European, um, growing up, I guess. And yep. I, uh, you know, I did that for a while and then, I stopped both of those and I gained a little bit of weight. And when I was about 17, a guy I met at my high school just asked me randomly if I wanted to try out for the local club team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did. I loved it. Had no idea what I was doing. Like, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, hey, coach, what position am I going to be? He told me, I'm going to be a tackle. I went straight to the library, got a book, read up, well, what does a tackle do? You know, what is first and 10? What does, I don't know, what's a timeout? I had no idea. So huh. uh, it was an interesting journey, but definitely off. What kind of pads did you guys have for that club team? Like a German club team doesn't strike me as having all the freshest Nike gear. They don't, especially because they don't pay for anything because you right. have to figure it out. So you go online and buy some used high school equipment. Wow. Oh, man, that is an interesting NFL. If you want to grow the game, the key to me would be in the pads. Um Okay, so you played football, and that's how we all know you. But you were a competitive swimmer. What were your events, and how far along in swimming did you get? Well, first, imagine, I don't know, like an old lineman swimming. You know, it's like, I don't know, a pig on ice. <laughs> you know, it's entertaining to watch. It might not be the most graceful thing, but I think I was more of a you know, short-distance power, you know, maybe not the best technique, but just kind of grinding through it. So for me, it was freestyle. And backstroke, actually. Well, you said you gained some weight to start playing football. I mean, you're a tall guy, and swimmers are traditionally pretty pretty long. No, so like, was this before or at, like 
were you swimming and playing football at the same time? Because if so, bravo, Michael Phelps, I'd like to see you pull that off. <laughs> no, uh, I was definitely just a swimmer. I concentrated on that. I was tall. I was probably always a little bigger than the other swimmers. I think I was a little bit more uh, muscular, probably a little bit more meat on my bones, which was yep. okay for the, for the shorter distances. But I think, um, you know, when they put you in the water and you got to swim the 1,500 meters and, you know, it's a lot of drag when you're all broader than most and uh, but definitely longer distance didn't work out for me uh what was the bet like what is your personal record in your go-to swimming event um i would say the backstroke was my most successful thing but i liked freestyle the best and it was definitely and i was young but it was definitely the 50 and 100 meters the times okay. i don't know uh i don't remember i do remember i think it was the um like for the age group, I won the, um, I think it was the German title or something to that degree. Again, somewhat a long time ago. But again, it was, it was a good while it lasted. I was young, but I'm definitely glad I ended up with football. So were you somebody who grew up dreaming of representing the German team in the Summer Olympics? Because, I mean, that is a pretty formidable opponent and then ended up playing American football. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I love swimming. Um, I, I think I was an athletic kid. I love you know, anything, um, you know, being active and all that stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Again, like the same with my football career. I never felt like I'm going to set my goals that high. Like, I think I was just trying to do my best. And if it worked out, it, it did. You know, it would, um, you know, obviously in swimming, it didn't um, to that degree at least. Um, so I don't know. I was, I think I was uh, pretty good at all my age and what I did, but obviously never to the Olympics or anything like that. So let me, like, there's so much about you. Like you are a player. And a personality. And like we said uh, off the air, like I was working for the Patriots uh, when you were drafted. And that was a like as somebody who worked for the team, it was like instantly, whoa, this guy's from Germany. That's interesting. Like, do you how have you had to either use or make peace with or play up your Germanness in this sport? Like there's. Sports like baseball have a large international population, maybe not necessarily European, but the NFL is pretty solidly American or Samoan. And so to come into this from like a Northern European background, like how did you handle that? Do these sorts of questions get annoying? It's fine to tell me that. Uh, how, How has that worked for you? Yeah, I mean, that question I do get a lot. Uh, yeah, and the way I personally feel about it, I never looked at myself as you know the foreigner, the German kid, anything like that. I just looked at you know now I'm a patriot. Let's do something about it. Let's 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 win. Let's you know whatever the phrase is, let's work hard and all that stuff. And to be honest with you, like my teammates or coaches never. No, obviously it was friendly banter with the accent or whatever it was, but there was never like making me feel bad for anything or. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I knew coming in, I was pretty raw. Obviously, I got my, my German football education, and then I went to Houston. I was probably um, behind at um, where they would have liked me to be when I came out, you know, being a second-round pick and, you know, all that stuff. Uh, but I had the size, and, and I could move a little bit and all that stuff. So I think they just felt like, well, we can teach them the rest. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think it was more struggle for me coming to college because then I still um, – didn't speak the language. I had to learn, you know, football terms, football concepts, and all that stuff. But uh, once I got to the league, it was more about, you know, I feel like most rookies struggle a little bit and have to like get their bearings and all that stuff. And uh, I think I was no exceptions. But um, the part of just being a German that really never came up in any in, in a negative way at all. And if anything, it was just yeah. like, you know, it's a cool, cool story. Oh yeah, you've definitely like. You, the back of your football card would always have like some interesting trivia or something like that, you know, like, and the fact that you've embraced it, I think is, well, I don't know. It's very, uh, it's very cool. And it makes you intriguing. Have you ever gotten a teammate to go with you on a trip back home to Germany? No, but, uh, Marcus Kuhn was, um, after his four-year career with the Giants, he came to the Patriots for um, you know OTAs and training camp and whatnot. So anyway, so we uh, quote unquote ran into each other in my hometown in Dusseldorf um, last mm-hmm. offseason. So that was pretty neat. Huh. Well, he's also he's also German, so I guess it's not that rare. But you know, that was neat. 
Oh man, are those pictures on Instagram though? They are. We are. All right, I want to find those. I like that. I like the idea of two, uh, you know, NFL dudes running into themselves, running into each other halfway around the world like that. That's a good. That's a good nugget. Yeah, we'll, we'll put an eight. You know, we we tasted the local cuisine and had one beer each, and it was good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that story checks out, and there will be no further investigation uh, similar to the FBI into the president's Russia ties. The, this investigation is over. Left and uh, we're moving on. Yeah. So, what is the native cuisine in Dusseldorf, where you're from? What is what are the big dishes? What do you miss when you're forced to eat? You know, New England's finest uh, Greek pizza or something like that. <laughs> um. Well, I think the main cuisine is beer. Um, okay. <laughs> you know, wherever, wherever you go, I mean, that's definitely the first thing you get. And you get a refill, uh, even if there are a couple of sips left in your glass. I mean, if you're not yeah. drinking, you better get up. That's kind of all it mm-hmm. is. And then kind of what you picture, you know, it's a lot of potato and meat-based and, you know, greasy, heavy meals. Um, yeah. You know, yeah like, the, like the whole pig leg and, and, and roast and potatoes. Also, just, you definitely find that quite a bit. It's what we picture for big heavy northern european black forest kind of stuff is that what i'm get what you're getting at that's exactly what it is and then maybe finish off with a nice pie at the end and again finish off that with a beer and you're good to go so you've th- just by nature of your international travels especially around the nfl i'm curious like do, when i mean look i don't know where you're at in your career exactly you know you're not with the patriots any longer um, you know, you're starting to look ahead to what you do in life after football. And that's a conversation that basically every football player has to have at some point after the age of 25. What do you picture yourself staying in the States? Do you want to go back home to Germany? Is the, are the, is the USA your home now? How do you balance the international life that sports have allowed you to live? So my wife and, and I, so she's an American. Uh, we met in college in Texas. We have a kid. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm de- definitely um, stateside. And, and, you know, uh, you know, I love this country. And, you know, it's been, been really good to me. Um, mm-hmm. But being on the, you know, on the East Coast, it definitely helps to travel. I mean, it's a quote-unquote quick six, seven, eight-hour flight. depends on where you go to Europe. and um, But that's not all that bad. Um, mm-hmm. So it, that works. Um, but the future holds, I feel, so yeah, I, I think we were living in the States, if that's, you know, Foxborough, Boston, you know, anywhere here, I think probably more, more of an East Coast, um, even though I could use a little better weather. I mean, I'm looking outside right now and it's, I think, high 40s and it's, you know, late in the year, but. Um, that is completely we'll fair. We'll see how that goes. Um, but then I think that the German market, like I think the Germans are really craving um, football, High quality football. They they really like the NFL, um, mm-hmm. so I think that there uh, will be a niche out there. So this is going to be running the same week that you're attending. Um, the every year the NFL puts on what they call a broadcast boot camp, and it's for uh, players who are looking for whatever's coming up next in their career after the after the gridiron. Basically, can go to NFL Films down Mount Laurel and spend a day with a bunch of the guys that I work with, usually like broadcast types, and get to know the transition from the field into the broadcast booth. Sebastian, you're going to that next week, correct? Correct. Yeah, so what what do you want to do as a broadcaster? What are your goals for that? Like, how do you see your – like, I just think find it fascinating – it's been an off-season in the NFL where the big news has been Tony Romo and Jay Cutler retiring to go be broadcasters. So as a player who's in a similar situation, what are you looking to do in that in that arena? Um, yeah, I, I think I really like the feel. Obviously, when you played a little bit in the league, you, you have somewhat of a knowledge. You still know the players, you know coaches, you know, um, you know the preparation for a game kind of. Uh, have a little bit of insight I think he can give to fans. And in my particular situation, I like the idea of, you know, bringing that experience to the German-speaking um, nations. I think, mm-hmm. as I was saying earlier, I think there's a real demand, so I think they, they would like to see 
um, or would like to see more of the NFL, get some background information, get some highlights, get, um, you know, a guy that can talk about it. So I think um, that's, that's, that's definitely something that's uh, in my mind. That is cool. It's interesting to talk to somebody approaching this part of their career with an eye towards how to make it international. Um, you know, and to like, as you said, you might end up living in Boston, New England for the rest of your life or because of your wife, kid, etc. But that it seems to be a way to bring your entire experience into one thing, you know, to use what you gained in the States with the NFL to bring that back to Germany. No? Definitely. I mean, it, it kind of combines, well, everything. Kind of the, the, the thing I have been doing for the last couple of decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, uh, it combines obviously the place where I live now, the place I used to live, my um, passion of what, what I like. Obviously, I love football. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's kind of the perfect storm if it does work out. Um, but yes, we definitely agree with you. Okay. So, we can't ignore this. And it's one of those things like we've talked about, I feel a little bad because, you know, we like to go deep on this show and we've talked about, you know, Germania as the Simpsons called it. And, but you get a lot of that and I'm genuinely intrigued in your future broadcasting career, which I'm sure will be huge. Swimming was good, but I got to know, what was a Rhinefire World League of American football game like to a young man? That is such a fascinating footnote to NFL history, and you got to witness it firsthand. And you were the people – like, I feel like you are the success story. Like, they wanted to grow the game internationally, and you saw one of those games and then ended up playing eight years in the NFL. So I know you said it was like a carnival atmosphere – Go deep here. What was that like? What do you remember of that day? Like, imagine, so it's mostly, obviously, they, at that point, it's a long time ago, there were no true hardcore football fans yet, but people that were intrigued of what it all entailed. So imagine the soccer crowd, you know, taking um, the train and they start drinking early and, you know, they're rocking the train back and forth and yep. in that soccer stadium where the Ryan Fire was playing, it's probably 40,000, 50,000 people there. You go mm-hmm. in and again, I mean, you, you can drink while on the train, and outside, and inside, and wherever you want. And there's a carnival. There are kids. There are obviously grown-ups. Anything in between. There are, you know, places where they explain the rules. There are a bunch of places where you can eat. Like the soccer stadiums have like a, a barrier around it, essentially. Yep. Um, so you can't really tailgate like an American version would be. But they have mm-hmm. benches inside where you can buy your sausages, and that kind of what a soccer game kind of would entail. And then um, I remember the fireworks. Obviously, they had the cheerleaders. The game was the same. I mean, there were both of them pros from the NFL being, um, you know, I had the chance to play in Europe. And there's some guys coming out of it, you know, Kurt Warner and whatnot. And, yeah, they had a ton of broadcasters come yeah, out of it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, so I, I think most of me included, most of the guys did not really know what we were looking at. But, you know, it's an exciting concept. I mean, it's a lot of hitting, a lot of violence, a lot of emotions and entertaining <laughs> and, and you know just kind of all over the place and just sit there for three hours and take it all in i feel like you got to live the real life version of going to a game in like any given sunday or the last boy scout where it's like it's football and the uniforms are all a little off but you're just like i don't know what this is but this is cool and i want more of it Exactly. Right. Imagine, you know, you cheer for the punter because it's like the closest thing that resembles, you know, a soccer player and kicks the ball 30 yards and you're just like, oh my gosh, look at that. And, you know, right, it's right. a long time. But again, I think everyone enjoyed themselves and uh, it's growing now. I mean, now they really have a huge following and, and everyone knows the roles and stuff like that and, you know, hoping to keep that growing. Let's, so, okay, so we, we began, and I love that story. We began with... um Germany, which, as you've said, you've gotten that question a lot. We end on that. Before we go, tell us one more thing about you. What is the fact that you want to share with us that can now become your over-asked question from here on out? Let's try to move this forward. <laughs> well, over-asked. Okay, uh, let's see. Uh, right, that's hard. Uh, I sent me an email. So I could have thought about this. Oh, no. The point uh, – like, what's your – 
what's your like guiltiest pleasure in music or something like that? What is your favorite non? Uh, what is the best cuisine that you're passionate about in New England? Something like that. Okay. Uh, well, okay. It's probably not New England. I, I don't think New Englanders are really famous for, you know, the, the great cuisine. But my first experience when I went to Houston and I had some Tex-Mex. Okay. I, I got to tell you, I mean, that is, that is some delicious food. Uh, very hard to find in the Northeast, I got to say. Uh, but yes, I would definitely say it's my favorite. Okay, so how do you like? So, what are your thoughts on queso? Do you like it spicy? Um, give us your anything, li- anything spicy. I'm allergic to dairy. I figured out that while I was playing the NFL, but queso is kind of out, out for me, and you know, kind of limits some of the options you can find in a Mexican restaurant. But um, yeah, the spicier the better. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's, I mean, everything like a, like a handmade uh, fresh tortilla. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. I could just eat it like that. I, you know what? So I'll tell you this. So to move this, to move the conversation forward, as I said, the next time we talk, tell me the next time you're in New York, I just went to my favorite taco truck for lunch. And it was just like, I hit up 10 bucks, styrofoam container, and my three favorite tacos. Sebastian, the next time you're in New York City, tacos on me, we're going to the truck, we're gonna get a little Tex-Mex, and there will be no talk of Germany. We're moving we're moving the story forward. We're pushing the narrative. We're going from Germany to, to Mexico. I like it. Amen. I love it. Uh Sebastian Vollmer, thank you very much for joining us on Just Not Sports. It's been great. Thank you. I really appreciate it. it was fun. Marshawn Lynch is one of the most mysterious stars in American sports. One day, the man known as Beast Mode would spurn all media interviews at the Super Bowl, and the next he'd show up on Conan Hawking Skittles. The man marched to his own drummer. So when Marshawn suddenly showed up in a music video for the mainstream rock band Train, yes, Train, your aunt's favorite band from 1997, It was both super shocking and not shocking at all. So today, we are the only show that's going to break down in full, exhausted detail Beast Mode's appearance in the train video Drink Up, which also features cameos from Ken Jeong, George Lopez, and everyone's number one SNL alum, Jim the Goat Boy (laughs) Brewer. Adam, real quick, I'm going to spot you... (laughs) <laughs> Drops of Jupiter and this song, Drink Up. So name three train songs. Uh, I can't. <laughs> I can't. You I, can't name one more train song. Uh, no. I, I, I saw them perform. It was, let me tell you, an Look, amazing performance. we've perfor- all seen them perform, given how often they a, play with the NFL. Like, we have all probably seen a train show, having gone to enough NFL events. I did see Maroon 5 at a Super Bowl tailgate with Adam, but I've never seen Train live. So that's all I'm going to say. I saw them at a PepsiCo corporate party, and it was (laughs) scintillating. (laughs) I'm like choking on my own spit when you said scintillating. Oh, my gosh. Give me a break. Oh, all right, yeah. I, I, Gareth, Gareth. I can't wait me, to talk about me, how much I dislike Marshawn Lynch, but you uh, guys go ahead first. All right, Gareth, I want to ask you this: How, 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 how is Marshawn Lynch friends with the lead singer of Train? Go. Yeah, that I have the the casting. Uh, let's see here the notes I made. Uh, let's see. Here's what I wrote down. Not this is not the worst train song I have ever heard. I think yeah, no, it was, it, it, I thought it was a fine oh, song. Oh, I like the song. Did you ever see the international players anthem video for the yes. UGK song? Right. Yeah, with Outcast and UGK. Outcast and UGK. Yep. It's at a wedding. Bishop Don Magic Wan is officiating. Cat Williams is in it. Lucas Haas makes a weird appearance in it. Uh, I feel like this was that they wanted to do the reverse white version. 
And Marshawn Lynch was like the Lucas Haas cameo in this. Um, so I think that that's, that's how this got take. made. Yeah. Uh, to your point, Brad, I, I look, I think the casting is fine. It's great. It just seems like a little too much effort for any train music video. And it's just, it's a little too much for the song. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Gareth, I don't know how much fun Lynch ended up in it. Gareth, do you think casting Jim Brewer is effort? Well, that's <laughs> fair. But, like, it's a lot. It just, I was like, this is, there was, an, um, there was in that 33 and a third uh, book series, there's one about Celine Dion, and it's called A Journey, like, subtitled A Journey to the End of Taste. Where it basically says, I know that this is good singing and good music. I just hate it. I was like, this is a well-shot, well-cast music video for not the worst Train song ever. I just don't understand why it has to exist, is my question. Guys, guys, Hmm. we have a, a podcast based on shit like this existing. <laughs> Get yeah, with true. the program. This was thriller for our time, Adam. Well, Brad was thrilled. <laughs> Guys, first of all, Marshawn Lynch, this 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 movie invents a universe, which we were forever going to know as the Beast Mode Train universe. The cinematic universe <laughs> that supposes that Marshawn Lynch is at a wedding that needs white guys to come make it cool. Amazing. Well, to Amazing be fair, fiction a white here. guy, a white guy, a Hispanic guy, and an Asian guy. Basically, the melting pot of wedding crashers. Yes, absolutely. Also, uh, why is Marshawn Lynch cast as the straight guy in this? Like, don't you think they should be walking into a wedding that is just like pure beast mode craziness instead of Marshawn being like, I'm at a wedding that it's so stuffy. The craziest thing happening is that I'm wearing a hat that says beast mode and no tie. Also, what are the chances that Marshawn's boys haven't taken you outside and beat the snot out of you for causing such a ruckus? I mean, look, I I, I did watch the behind the scenes with the lead singer. Did you guys watch this on the train? (laughs) Train No, of course not. I did not go that deep. Oh, yeah, I went deep, guys. I went balls deep. In in uh, in Gareth Drew Gareth fashion, I didn't even finish this music video because I was not impressed. Guys, I let I got the point in the first two and a half minutes. Uh, I'm trying to. I'm watching it now on mute. I don't see the. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I'm just Adam, not. I'm not Adam, feeling Adam, it. Adam. Adam. So you, if you didn't watch to the end, then you missed. A what I can only describe as a two minute credit sequence where there is a long list of credits at this music video that lists everyone from I'm not joking magician Brent Garris to oh boy Pat's breakdancing double John Arias. So the lead singer, Patrick, whatever his name is, of Train, had a breakdancing double who got a credit in the music video. Like, why is that happening? I don't remember watching, you know, Nirvana, Smelly Teen Spirit, and the end was two minutes of credits of, like, who was the the craft services guy of fucking Smelly, Smelly Teen Spirit. Also, this film was directed by someone or something called Scantron and Number Two Pencil, which, after oh. several hours of looking into it I realized was a company (laughs) called Scantron that has also done videos by Panic at the Disco, Weezer Fall Out Boy, but I can't figure out what number two pencil is. Is that the guy at Scantron or is that like just a joke because number two pencils were probably the only pencils that worked on Scantron like SAT tests I don't know, look man every part of this video is trying too hard, every single part of it down to Scantron and number two. Pencil. Gareth, casting Jim yeah. Brewer, casting Jim Brewer is not trying too hard. It's not trying at all. I could probably get Pete Davidson on this show right now, and he is a current SNL alum. Jim Brewer, not even, he's not even like Jay Moore. <laughs> like, well, like, look, 
I have questions for Pete Davidson, so I look forward to that interview. I'll just say I'll tell that. you what, this video 10 years ago would have taken over VH1. Uh, this is a VH1 video, yes. yes. Uh, this, is v- this has VH1 stardom written all over it. I don't know if they still do music videos or if they're just doing housewife shows these days. Uh, but yeah, over the top. And, th- and then you know how I feel about athletes who don't do media. Uh, I generally feel okay about it. Um, I work, for, again, I work for a team, so I take this very personally. I think it's so important to talk to your local media, and those guys work so hard. Um, I don't have a lot of respect for Marshawn Lynch because he is so uncomfortable and so shy in those settings talking to a group of media, but does virtually every other kind of media there is. So if you're going to be shy, hey, I understand that. Pick and choose the interviews that you want to do. Uh, but the guy has taken endorsements from Skittles. He's in music videos. He's on episodes of the league. But when he steps into his locker room in Oakland this fall, uh, the local media there who are trying to be a conduit to their fans won't have access to him. So I, I, I try to separate a little bit because I don't mean to discredit everything that he does because he doesn't talk to his local media. But every time I see his face, I just have a hard time taking him seriously. I don't because he was in this music video and it's awesome. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to throw out some. I'm going to throw out some some things that I picked up on during my somewhere between ten and thirty uh, views of this video. Number one, at one point, the lead singer of Train, and again, the band is Train. Like we're not talking about, you know, ner- it ain't you know, Spice One. Yeah, I mean, this is like being in a in a rock video for like the Toadies. In the 90s. So at one point, the lead singer shows Marshawn or Marshawn shows him a text that's like, you did this. And it's a it, it's literally labeled and shout out to USA Today for the win for for picking this up. It's literally labeled to coach and it just says pass. Don't run. So this this video posits that the band train is the reason why Seattle didn't win back to back Super Bowls and why. Tom Brady has five instead of four Super Bowls because Train told Pete Carroll, don't don't run with Marshawn Lynch at the goal line. Throw the ball. Brad, it's just it's cute that you're so excited about this, but I just I just can't get excited. I want to. I just All right, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, I wrote that. I, I actually wrote a note. I was like when can we be done with the jokes about running versus passing? And that's yeah. So it this, goes into this video. This, this video, video just came a, out and it's so played out already. It's such a try hard. This video is such Oof. a try hard. Guys, 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 you're talking about a music video that stars Jim fucking Brewer. And you're talking about something from three years ago being played out. This video has Jim Brewer in it. That's played out. This yeah. video has George Lopez in it. That's played out. First of all, okay, wait. You know, here's what we're gonna do, real quick. Let's power oh, rank. Hold on. I no no no. Here, Gareth. I want to power rank the celebrities in this video. Okay. Oh boy. All right. <laughs> so here we go. I, hold on. We have to acknowledge that this whole segment started with Adam almost not being on it because he felt sick. <laughs> yeah. This is not yeah. I just. I could have been. I could have had it. I could have taken the Ambien by now and been in bed. And here I am taking verbal Ambien. Well, let's keep going. Yeah, hey, hey, man, you're talking to two dudes with two fucking kids. Like, don't talk about lack of sleep, bro. Like, sorry about your Ambien. Fine. You know what? You guys just be be the two old dudes in the in in the balcony at the Muppet Show. I'm gonna just rock this video, and here are my hot takes. I'm going full Shannon plus Skip. I've merged into a hybrid form that's gonna drop the ultimate takes about this video. Here's my power rankings of the celebrities by relevance. Number one, clearly Money Lynch. He's retired, but he's coming back with the Raiders. He's the man. Number two, Ken Jeong, the Hangover movies or enduring movies. Maybe not two. I also think community makes him fine 
were great. He was great in community. Yeah, he yeah. still got upside. I'm feeling good about it. Number three, George Lopez. George Lopez's best years are probably behind him. He might have like a Ray Romano-esque one show that gets him critical acclaim left. I'm not feeling it. Four, the lead singer of Train, Patrick Monahan. Five, John Arias, who I've already described as Patrick Patrick Monahan's breakdancing double <laughs> from the credit <laughs> sequence. And six, below that man who breakdance doubled was Jim Brown. <laughs> <laughs> from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Who, give me a fucking break. Jim Brewer is only in this video because he was at the same Starbucks <laughs> that like these guys were at and they were like, come on upstairs, we're filming upstairs. Right? Well, actually, I do have some insight. I Complex oh, had an article about how Marshall and Lynch at least got into this video. And it does go back to the joke I made earlier. Now, I can't tell you how Jim Brewer got in here, but Marshawn Lynch, uh, at For the Win Shared, Train performed the 2013 Pro Bowl. Of course, it was an NFL event. <laughs> and Pat Monahan, the lead singer, met Marshawn Lynch's agent. The agent connected Monahan with Lynch, and the two hit it off. They're both from the Bay Area and apparently became fast friends. So... Marshawn Lynch is actually friends with the guys from Train, which is terrifying to me. Well, these so. are all Bay Area celebs I looked up. So all these dudes are kind of from that area. Well, I have one more thought, but it's the last shot of the video. So do you have anything before then, Brad, that you want to get to? Yeah, real quick. Lots of scenes of people thinking they're making the party better by pouring food on other people. That does not make any party better. So please refrain from doing that. that. Also, the Instagram that Marshawn Lynch announces that he's getting married just says, Ya beast got hitched. <laughs> I just want to say this. If you're getting Joe Reed, when you get married, Joe Reed, he had to drop off. When you're getting married, Joe Reed, please just say, Ya Joe got hitched in your Instagram, and we will all like it. Maybe not Adam, but we'll, we'll mostly like it. I'm with that. I could get down with that. All right. I would like to shout out the final shot of the video as being the best use of Marshawn Lynch in the whole thing, and that is basically they all jump in a freeze frame, and everybody... Uh, Marshawn Lynch basically just grabs dick, and I couldn't have been happier with that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, we didn't get to the end. On that note, we'll be back with some distractions. At least some of us will. Stick around. We'll be right back. And we are back in the sports world. Athletes, media, coaches, anyone tangentially related to sports gets hammered for liking things because they are a distraction in the ultimate air quotes. We don't accept this. We think distractions are just the things that help us deal with life and work. So Gareth, tell us what is distracting you this week? So my distraction this week, it's not often you're going to get to say, oh, hey, I met these people backstage at the Peabody's, but that is exactly what happened. Uh, I, as we were backstage at the Peabody's a couple weeks back, uh, the people accepting a joke behind us were uh, the women from the In the Dark podcast with American Public Media and Minnesota Public Radio. Uh, I noticed them... Basically, the woman in front of Brad was Ava DuVernay, accepting for 13th. Mm -hmm. uh, and she was writing her thank yous on her hand. Brad had his, his thank yous and speech written out. And then the women behind me, they had everything written out on the back of bar receipts, which I was like, oh, yeah, that's like it was a perfect study in contrast between three people. So we started joking around about that. And... They told me about their podcast. So I've started listening to it and it is about an, a cold case abduction outside Minneapolis from about 27 years ago. And it just so happened that as they were in production to make it the, a week before their first episode, it seems they, the, a guy confessed to the abduction of this little boy, Jacob. So, the it's a I think nine part podcast. I'm about halfway through it. That is just 
digging into this case and the police investigation. So if you like things like the criminal podcast or shit town or serial, um, some of the seasons of you must remember this, this is the podcast for you. So check out in the dark, a Peabody winner. We met them backstage. Very nice people and hope to have them on the pod at some point. So there you go. That's my distraction. Absolutely. Hope to have them on the pod. Uh, it's an awesome, awesome piece. Uh, all right, my my distraction is I talk a lot about horror movies on this podcast. I'm reading a book called Men, Women, and Chainsaws, and it's about feminist theory in slasher movies and horror movies. Very cool, very interesting stuff. It, it was written in the 80s, kind of updated over the years, so a lot of the stuff, a lot of the the insights that this thing initially had in the mid eighties about the role that like women and, and men play in slasher films has been sort of dissected and reconstructed as we've gotten to an mm-hmm. age where it's kind of like post post horror or West Craven scream, like kind of redefines the heroine, all that other stuff. Uh, right. But it's very, it, it kind of, it kind of coined the, the stuff about final girl and that kind of th- also totally love, love slasher movies. Long live the genre. Okay, that's our show for this week. Let's give some shout-outs. Shout-out Sebastian Vollmer. Gareth, what do you have to say about him? Uh, Sebastian, look, good luck in your new uh, kind of life and career. If there's one thing that Just Not Sports is about, it is about uh, living a well-rounded, full life, and football is moving into the past for you. So good luck transitioning into broadcasting. And look, we've expanded from coast to coast. I think Sebastian Vollmer could become our first German correspondent. So there you go. Let's go Amazing. To Amazing. I'm going to give a shout out to the band train. My favorite band of all time. I look forward to listening <laughs> to a third song of yours at some point. And I'll give a shout out to money Lynch who, uh, you know what? Congratulations on your new marriage and the documentary film that, uh, was set to train music that, uh, came out this week. And that yeah. is our show. I'm not going to waste time with Adam's shout-outs. Or should we try, Gareth? No, let's come back in. We have the full full Voltron this week. I'm, I'm all for it. Okay, so uh, I'm going to give a shout-out to my boy Uzi. Def Jeff. Little Swanee. Meech. Ron Mack. My other cousin, Ron. And in the immortal words of Shaquille O'Neal. Our poet laureate of the United States, Booty Rappers. Stay booty. Stay booty.